0: welcome to bouncing back there are many terrible things that can happen to a person but one of the worst has to be trauma to the brain so much of who we are what we can do is tied into what is inside of our heads brain injury can fundamentally change who we are and what we can do bouncing back from trauma can mean enormous life changes it's an incredibly difficult journey but it is one that can be taken successfully let's get started Hello, I'm Lisa Bien, and welcome to Bouncing Back. That makes a way. (laughs) Be honest
1: and communicate.
0: Your authentic sound is so critical. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this edition of Bouncing Back. First, let's welcome our guest, Dr. Butcher. She's a professor of kineology here at Temple University. One day, while she was working to earn her PhD, Lois was hit by a car. The accident knocked her six feet through the air into a street lamp. It was later determined that she had whiplash in four directions. The injury was devastating to her coordination. She could no longer play the piano or dance. Her sense of balance was gone. She could no longer do math or even remember a sentence she had just read. Despite these challenges that she went through, cognitive retraining, and she completed her PhD. Thank you for joining us today, Lois. And also joining us is Sherry Desres, who is joining us for a second time. She's a Temple graduate and a self-described recovering attorney, who reinvented herself as a life coach, career coach, and a business consultant, who now helps other people reinvent their careers and their businesses. She's an expert in bouncing back. Sherry has worked in fields like bike messaging, taxi driving, and moving truck management, developing an eye for both an employee and entrepreneur and meeting and working with people from all the walks of life in the process of coming back. Thank you, Sherry, for coming back and joining us again. My pleasure. So let's start with what life was like for you before the accident.
2: Uh, Okay, I was um, a student here at Temple. I finished my master's degree in sport and exercise psychology. And I had enough credits left over to start my PhD. So I figured, why not? I had two kids at home, a uh, single mom, and of course, single moms are usually broke, so I was working an awful <laughs> lot of, yeah, an awful lot of part-time <laughs> jobs, but I was uh, fortunate enough to also be uh, a teaching assistant. So, um, it was a busy life, um, very busy, and I was a former uh, professional dancer in New York City, So. A lot of what I was teaching was uh, aerobic fitness classes and that sort of thing, and I'd do the odd show here and there. Um, so I had uh, had a lot going on. Um, I had a very strong music background. I played piano, sang, um, and um, when I shifted into sport and exercise psychology, that was sort of—I mean, it was always still there. Um, it's just that it wasn't as prominent. And of course, I was taking care of my two kids, so there was a lot of. Um, running back and forth to dance classes and hockey and all that other sort of thing. But um, it was pretty much a normal day for me because I was teaching uh, 7.30 aerobics <laughs> and, um <laughs> and I was uh, uh I'm gonna, can I plug the bagel hut? I'm plugging the bagel hut. I went to the bagel hut and got... um, So you went
0: to aerobics and then... No, no, I was, this is pre, you know, this
2: is like (laughs) 6.30 in the morning. I was on campus that early. So I went to get myself a bagel and a cup of tea and um, standing on the corner of Broad and Montgomery, I was on the sidewalk, I was on the sidewalk. I was not doing any of that nonsense where I was sort of inching out. I was on the sidewalk and I was uh, fixing the bag because there used to be a... There actually used to be a hot dog stand and this uh, newspaper box on that corner. So I was just fixing the the tea in in the bag because it wasn't balanced out. And uh, I saw a car that was heading southbound that pulled way out to, to the right in order to make a left turn onto Montgomery. And all I remember is thinking, how stupid, because I never saw the reason to go that far out to make a turn. And after that, I heard a bang, I felt a thud, everything went black and I was flying
0: every you've told me this story now this is probably the third time I've heard Mm -hmm. this story and every time I hear it I just have to take a minute to breathe because I can't imagine what it was like for you and I'm, I'm like incredibly in all of you because of the way she just tells the story, Absolutely. like, okay, and I went through, and Very I factually, just, this is what happened. Right, exactly. Yep. This is what happened. Most people would be like, well, I, and I went there, you know, and then...
2: Well, you have to realize I don't remember a lot of... I, well, I wasn't aware of it because everything went black. So, obviously, when everything goes black, it's your concussion hitting. And um, all I know is what the witness... Uh, said and what was put into the documents from the police report and all that. So apparently, um, the car that was heading southbound, making the turn onto Montgomery, hit a car that was going northbound. And when they collided, um, the northbound car—was it the northbound? Car? One of them hit Conwell Hall, died, and then it spun around. So what made me feel like I was flying was the fact that the back of the car that hit me. Slapped me, and that's what threw me six feet in the air. So this side of my b- my right side of my body hit the street lamp, and the left side of my body hit Broad Street. So when I woke up, um, I was in the middle of Broad Street. There was a TV camera in my face. Um, there was a pile of jackets on top of me, and I remember the hot dog stand. Um, wow, it went with the, the gentleman who owned it inside, it went about a couple hundred feet over to Walkman Hall. It went from in front of Conwell all the way over to the stairs at Walkman. And um, I remember seeing, his name was Nick, he was the sweetest man, and he. I remember seeing him sitting there with his head in his hands, and there was a trail of pretzels and Snapple that went from the corner all the way over to Walkman. Um, all I know is, that's what the witness said. Because I have no idea what happened to me. I didn't see the car coming at me. I had no idea.
0: So I don't even know where to begin. Except to, <laughs> say, I keep telling you I'm in all of you. But so, do you do you remember? So you said the Channel Six is in your face. Yeah, a, it was ca- six. A, a TV camera <laughs> was in your face. So, and then what? Like, what 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 ran through your head if you remember that?
2: Um, I gotta go to class. Um. I remember thinking that. I remember thinking, I I, I remember being a little confused as to what is this, what's going on. Um, I didn't really feel pain at that point. Um, I didn't feel much until a while later. And all I can think of is it must have to do with the body's protective piece where all of those endorphins rush and you don't really feel it till later. Um, And later, yeah, I felt it. Um, I bet. And, uh, you know, I, I got rushed to the hospital. I got released from the hospital. I went home. Um, my kids came home. Um, I called my mom, and she immediately had a meltdown. Um, <laughs> and she called my sister. And my sister happens to be an RN uh, with her master's in um, quality assurance. So she got on the phone, and she was all over this. And um, it turned out I had to go back to the hospital that night. Um, They needed to check something with my jaw, and of course that was damaged, but I was lucky because it was the end of January, so of course I was bundled up. Um, I had two layers of clothes on, (laughs) one was my dance clothes for aerobics, and then my regular clothes on top of it, and a big poofy uh, bright pink, I'll never forget it, bright pink uh, ski jacket which probably saved me from broken bones. Um, It did not save me from a four-way whiplash, um, and it did not save my head from the impact against the street lamp or the impact against the street. Um, My legs didn't have quite so much cushioning, so the impact into my legs generated a lot of swelling on, more so on the left than the right, but a lot of swelling in, in my thighs. And um, I think from the way I landed, it did something to, th- to my shoulders because for a long while after that, I was crooked. Uh, I don't know how to explain it other than one shoulder was higher than the other.
0: So you're, well, so you're walking to what, what you think, eating, getting a bagel, walking to Go-Go Rovers <laughs> class, and now you are in this situation and you're like, what?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what's next? It was, it was your classic. Um, it was your classic whiskey tango foxtrot moment. Um, and at that point, um,
0: all I could think of is I got to go to class (laughs) and I... (laughs) But there was a a period of time where you had to do a lot of therapy. I had to do a lot of work. Um... Tell us about that work. It was, uh,
2: it was very difficult. When I got home the day of the accident, um, Looking at the television was agony. I couldn't look at TV. I thought, all right, let me try to read, and I couldn't because the words were moving. They were moving in a, spl- uh, they were going around like this. Um, and then I was a little bit hungry. I thought, well, let me eat something, and I couldn't even eat scrambled eggs. Um, my jaw, that was that was when the pain hit.
0: So was this the, like the day after this the was, accident? This was, was like, mm, probably three to four hours after. Wow. So um, you went through this accident, went to the hospital, they send you home, now you're sitting there and you're like, "Whoa, well, I can't read and I can't it, eat scrambled mm-hmm. eggs and... And then things started to
2: get painful. Um, my shoulders, my legs, um, the sternum area started to get very painful. In fact, um, probably four, three or four days after the accident, I wound up in the emergency room from pain from the... Uh, and they said that I'd bruise the sternum when I, when I landed. Um, it was terrifying to not be able to read. Uh, for me, that's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I was that kid that had a 12th grade reading level in third grade. Um, I was that kid that was, you know, <laughs> I come from New York City, so my English Regents exams were 98s all the time, and <laughs> I can't read. Right. So that flipped me out. Um, I've I've always had a lot of control over my body, especially as a dancer. And when I got up, I felt disconnected, almost like a marionette kind of thing, where nothing was working together. And um, that, I think that scared me more than anything. Um, I did get back to class within three weeks. Because, well, I, I don't take kindly to people saying no. <laughs> um, they were telling, they, the universal they, the doctors, were saying to me, you've got to take it easy, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And all I could think of is I have to go to work, I have to make some money, I have to feed my kids, I have to pay my rent, I have to go to class, I have to get my degree. I was... There's a lot of have to. Uh, yeah, I was about, I don't even think I was a year in, um... Uh, maybe it was my third. Sem- it was my third semester in my doctoral program, and um, I just—it it just wasn't an option to not do this. So I had to pull it together and go do it, because that's how
1: I roll. <laughs> how I have a question. How did? When did you process all the emotion of all this? Because you had to have. That's a, um, good, a good question, yep.
0: yeah. Um, you know what, we're gonna take a p- quick break Kay. and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna answer that question, yeah. okay? We're gonna continue our conversation about bouncing back from brain injury, from trauma, when we come right back.
2: Hello, I'm TuTV's TV's Melissa Steininger with a question of sustainability.
0: Did you- Welcome back. We were talking about bouncing back from trauma. Our guests are Lois Butcher who bounced back from trauma, and Sherry Deseret, who is a life coach in helping people move forward. So we started. We, we started. We, we, you shared your story, and then Sherry, you had started with a question.
1: Yeah, and my question, Lois, is when did you start processing all the emotions from this, and how do you deal with it still? That piece. Uh, that's a good question. I,
2: I shut down. Mm-hmm. I shut down for a very long time, and I felt, um, I felt a lot of loss. I felt probably, I guess the best word is depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, always why me? <laughs> Why'd this happen? And then um, for every why me, I, have to, I had to stop and say, you can't get into the pity party. You have to take care of your kids. And um, a, lot of, um, a lot of it was just push through. Um, there were so many things I had to do. I had to go to physical therapy. Um, I had visits with a lawyer. I, um, my lawyer, oh my wonderful, she put it all together for me where she got me the help I needed for cognitive retraining. She got me hooked up with um, the Drucker Brain Inju- Injury Center. Mm-hmm. And although it took six full months before they could even test me, um, and then it was actually a full year before I started the program. Um, and that was difficult, but um, I had that, that support for it. Um, we also uh, were dealing with the fact that because I was a dancer and I was very flexible, there wasn't a whole lot physical therapy could do for me because the flexibility was there and the strength was there and the aerobic capacity was there. So a lot of what happened um, therapeutically was just, get in there and go do it. Um,
1: so I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a lot of loss. Yeah, I, it was. You know, I mean, you you both intellectually and physically mm-hmm. had a lot of loss of all that you believed in and knew yourself to be. And yeah. I think that's, a you know, you can function. Your driver was your children yes. and having to provide for them. I get it. But there's a parallel track somewhere along mm-hmm. the way that you have to deal with, right? And I ignored
2: it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I did, I did, because if I had stopped to look at it, I was so afraid of losing the momentum to get forward and do more. And um, I think because of who I am, I had to do, I had to, <laughs> I had to do, so I, I did look up a lot of stuff about head injury, which at that time there wasn't nearly as much as there is now. It was the classic. How many fingers? Yeah, you're all right. What? (laughs) Yeah. It was how long were you out for? I don't know. Well, then you didn't have a concussion, really. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that makes makes very little sense. (laughs) Well, in today's world, it makes no sense at all. Right. Back then, we didn't know enough, you know. And to say back then, you could even just go back 10 years, and we didn't know as much as we do now. Uh, We have a concussion center in my department, and they, you know. My colleagues who were part of that would tell you, we didn't know a lot of this, even 10 years ago. So um, dealing with it was just sort of... What you did. Yeah, you just had to. You just had to. And um, I will tell you that it required me to do extra work, which I willingly did because I wasn't going to give up getting the degree. I thought about it. I really did. I thought about it. And then I said, I can't not do it. I can't show my kids that. Um, I would have been the first PhD in our family. And I come from a very large, extended family. And I was going to be the first PhD. Um, I, also, I also knew that um, I was doing something for my nephew. My nephew was born brain injured. <laughs> This was not something I thought I would ever share with him. <laughs> but um, we, did, we have this bond. And um, when it came down to it, I think, I think the day that I, it fully came around and I truly dealt with it, was when I did my dissertation defense. because no, That makes
1: perfect sense. Because, That's yeah. It, um,
2: yep. And when I did the defense, it was uh, first in the department because I didn't have a parent there. I didn't have colleagues there or or classmates there. I wanted my kids. So my kids sat there, bless their hearts, and put up with mom doing her PowerPoint and answering the questions from the committee. Uh, But what was the most important was afterwards when we left the room and of course the committee has to have the conversation. And I just stood there. with my son on one side, my daughter on the other, and nice. I mean, I <laughs> white knuckled holding on to their clothing, wh- white knuckled it. And when Dr. Sachs came out and said, "Congratulations, Dr. Butcher," nice. I fell apart, and my kids just did their job, you know, just surrounded mom,
1: and that was that. That was like the culmination of all the. Emotion. That was all it of really it. Yeah, was. I yep. lost
2: it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> well. Yeah.
0: So what's life like today?
2: Very busy. <laughs> what's, what's busier than before? <laughs> uh, yeah, just a different busy. A different appreciation? Uh, yeah. Um, it's maybe I should say it's less bouncing back and more leaping forward mm. because um, I'm not willing to not keep going. Um, I don't have a single day where I'm not reading something. You know, whether it's a book or it's an article or something. I will never let myself not read. Um, it's, almost a, um, it's almost a fanaticism. I have to read. Like I would lose something if I didn't. And um, It
1: grounds you to what you were and what you have become yep. again, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Y- you're very much a failure-is-not-an-option person, right? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but this time it worked. Yeah, yeah, you know. And
2: I am very hard on myself. Oh boy, I'm very hard on myself. But um, it's one of those things where um, I have—I seem to get more and more responsibilities. It's that classic: if you want something done, give it to a busy person. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, I think all three of us sitting yeah. here today know yeah. that, no, no doubt.
2: And that's one of the things that um, I've pushed myself to do. My cognitive retrainer. Um, at at Drucker was amazing and she if it hadn't been for her I don't know that I would have had the ability to organize and get my my research on paper in the way that I did I have to thank so many people in my department um, for helping me get through it and for giving me the time to do it and um, being cheerleaders uh, boy and um, cheerleaders are so important aren't they? Oh my goodness In- it's incredible and my my lawyer oh my god amazing cheerleader um, she was wonderful so we had a, a lot going on and I think probably the worst piece was um, being at the depositions you know a couple of years after the accident because that always takes a long time and hearing the two drivers say that I wasn't there. Yeah. What do you mean? They said I wasn't there. <laughs> they didn't hit anybody. They didn't. S- she wasn't there. Yes, she was. Trust Wait. me, she was. Yeah. And that was difficult. Um, and of course, you know, my lawyer being the brilliant person that she is, managed to get past that. And, you know, we, we won the case, obviously. But, um, you know, because of my situation and my economic position and so forth. I didn't know that I should have had torts in my insurance or I would have gotten more money and, you know, all of that sort of thing. But the fact was they learned very, very strongly, clearly that day at the deposition, yeah, she was there and this is what you did.
1: So. Um, was that vindicating for you? A little a bit
2: because sometimes now if I have a setback and, you know, you still do. Sure. Um, I get annoyed, I get angry that somebody who, was trying to blow through a red light made a decision that impacted my life and that decision I did not give permission for but um, you have two choices you either stay angry and you don't move forward or you put it over there and you say okay you know there is such a thing as karma I'm moving on bye
0: we make it sound so easy. It's, you know, I'm moving on. But Shari could probably help us for the people that get stuck. I always say, I'm I'm always curious yeah. about the why. Why are some people able to say, I'm moving on? And then there's others that just say, we all know them. They're I, angry, yeah, they stay I, angry, or they stay in this situation that they can't get out of. What What makes her different versus people who can't move forward?
1: So I think, Lois, and you'd have to answer this, but I think You said earlier on, I really had no choice because of my children. The fact Mm -hmm. is you did. We all have a choice, right? And you made one. Mm -hmm. But the reason you believed you had no choice is likely because of who you are and how you were raised and your backstory, right? And I think all of us have that. Mm -hmm. I think that these are moments of opportunity that even if it's subconscious, you make a decision to go one path versus another. And that's what I think enables people to bounce back or more appropriately leap forward, just as you did, because we all have those moments that we have to make a decision based on who we are. Do we want to stay the same person and move forward? Do we have that? Or do we have to become someone else and take that hard track? And that's part of what you did, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I did
2: have to reinvent because I wasn't able to play piano anymore, I wasn't able to, I was told. You can't dance, you know, and which was killer because Joy. part of Identity. the fun of it was the yeah. leaping, the jumping, the spinning, and you can't do that; you'll hurt your neck. This, that, and the other, and I had to I had to reassess who I was in that way, yep. Yep. and that was hard. Uh, but I also learned that people people don't like to talk to a victim. You know, if you have that victim headset, the oh poor me headset, yeah, true. People shut you down or they walk away or they don't really listen and I realized very quickly that um, while my story was very spectacular, the remnants were not what anybody else really wanted to hear.
0: So they just really wanted to hear the story maybe of...
2: Well, it was all about the wow, I can't believe that happened to you and the day-to-day stuff the struggling to figure out how to to do a tip which had me reduced to tears in a couple of instances Um, the fact that I couldn't remember certain things under pressure the fact that I would get brain locked so quickly um, and I wouldn't be able to recall something Uh, you know that took years to get over but nobody really wanted to sit there and say oh yeah oh we get it because they don't
1: yeah I, I don't even know if it's that they don't want to it's more that I think there are certain situations in life that unless we experience it personally mm-hmm. we cannot possibly get it yeah nobody could understand that your fear or your terror that you would never dance again play the piano read who could get that unless they've been there yeah you know what I mean I think it's just inconceivable for people
2: and I think for some it's scary no, it's terrifying. Um, and, uh, well, it, not that it's a better you than me kind of thing, but it's, um, it's almost as if people would prefer to hear about, okay, that's what happened, now tell me about your success. Because the, the pathway in between. That's the scary part. It's lots of tripping, it's lots of, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. Um, it's lots of um, things cropping up that you didn't expect. Uh, I never expected my vision to get to where it is. Um, And that had to do with the head injury. I never expected that, um, um, I never expected that it would be difficult to get certain things on paper. Um, But I also learned that I started, I picked up knitting again and crocheting again. That really helped bring back a lot of the um, sharpness because you have to count. And you have to do a lot of counting, and um, I learned to, in many ways, um, be able to dial down the
1: static because
2: there's a lot. Well, I,
1: uh, well, just well, I just I, want to quickly say that Lisa said earlier. I don't know how I would have dealt with that right. if it happened to me. I think that's how most people feel. Yeah, you know? I agree.
0: So we have to end with wrap it up, but I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. I know this is the first time that you've shared the story publicly, so it mm-hmm. means a lot to me that you are a guest on my show. So a uh, big thanks to Dr. Butcher for sharing her story. Thank you to Sherry Deserets for her insights. You know, we never really know what life will throw at us or at a loved one, but until we are challenged, we never know what we are truly capable of accomplishment, accomplishing, whether from trauma, illness, or a birth defect. People with cognitive impairments need all the love and support that we can give them. Part of that is patience. Part of that is simply being there when they need us. It's important not to give up on the people that matter to us the most. Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes it can be very frustrating. But helping someone bounce back to live the best life that they're capable of is always worth the effort. Once again, I'm Lisa Bien, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Bouncing Back. Hello, I'm Lisa Bien, and welcome to Bouncing Back. God makes a way. (laughs) Be honest
1: and communicate.
0: Your authentic sound is so critical.